Hi everyone, welcome to Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them. You are listening to a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. And um, to start off with a little bit of a household message. Well, it's not necessarily a household message. I just want to share a little bit something from my life. And let me tell you, February 2022 is wild um, for a multitude of reasons. Like finally graduating college and getting a full-time job within a week uh, after graduating. Like, I don't know how I pulled it off, but it happened. I'm not entirely sure what the consequences are going to be for this podcast, but more on that story as it develops. Um, guest today, Keaton, how are you doing? Good afternoon, morning, I don't know, good day. E- evening for me right now, it's 7 p.m. on my side, but I've been doing well. I just uh, finished all of the work I had to do before this uh, podcast happened, so I'm clear for the rest of the night. So yeah, I've been doing fine, thank you. Just so the listener know who they're dealing with, could you introduce yourself a little bit, your name, your pronouns, what do you do in daily life? Of course. So my name is Mishima Kitan, and Mishima is my surname, and Kitan is my name. I put it, it in that order because... That's the Japanese order. I'm a Japanese person. I'm bilingual, as you can tell. And I'm a translator and localizer. So I translate from English to Japanese and Japanese to English uh, on various medias. But at the moment, the main work I get is from the gaming industry. So a lot of uh, dialogue and a whole bunch of like other translation that is necessary for games and like promotional materials that's what i do uh usually at the moment oh and my pronouns are they them i'm guessing you know japanese is a very convenient language to know if you're going into the gaming translation how did that um how did that come to be well um i didn't necessarily intend to be a translator it just kind of happened to be the thing that i do So a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, I got into freelance translation and I was just looking for work. And it just so happened that a lot of the companies in the gaming industry was looking for a freelance contractor to fill up their positions. So that's kind of what came about. And before that, I was doing uh, translation on like voluntary basis for like unpaid work and stuff like that so i did have some experiences but i didn't go to like a translator school but i'm doing okay because i've been speaking both (laughs) languages for the last well i've been speaking english for the last 27 years now i've been speaking it since i was like five years old so the differences between the languages I feel is quite like minuscule. I think I'm at equal level at both languages, to be honest. Let's um, dive into everything regarding um, language um, further down the line. But first, let's uh, let's get some music going. The artist is called Glay, and the track is called, if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, um, Yuaku. All right, there we go. Track for track one of the day. Because I love you, you are lost yourself. We keep down. Whoa, whoa, who's lost you? 
um, a musical memory. How did you find out about this song? Well, Blay is one of the biggest rock bands in Japanese like musical history, and they're still going on. But、um, when I was seven years old, they were really, really popular. So they were kind of the chart-topping band at the time. And this song actually was used as a part of the commercial for a brand、uh, called TDK. And TDK at the time, we don't see it so much anymore. But TDK produced a lot of CDRs. They were like the mass, the big producers of manufacturers of that brand, and they were tying up with the band to do like a national PR thing. So this song was used as a part of the TV commercial that was all over the place at the time. And that's how I first saw it, and it was quite sensational in a sense that because Yuwaku means seduction in English, so while it's not explicit, it's quite、uh, like the music video and the TV commercial that they used was quite sexy in a sense, and also the band is one of the famous Visual K bands, so their appearances were. Uh, you know, they were men wearing makeup. That the image of the TV commercial like vividly left a mark on my brain. And it's not just that band, but the entire like 1990s was an era where visual K bands were very popular in Japan. So、mm-hmm. uh, it was I was just exposed a lot. To that kind of music, I didn't necessarily go out of my way to find it. I was like seven when this came, this song first came out, so I was just like casually watching the musical shows on、uh, national TV, and you know there will be a lot of visual K bands. It would be、uh, used as a part of TV commercials and、uh, TV programs or like drama series. So it was just kind of everywhere. But I do like this song quite a lot, and、uh, I think well, it is one of the most memorable songs that I remember from that era. So I chose this one. You, how did you、um, like? What what went through your mind the, f- the first time you heard this song? At the time, I was—I know I was still like seven years old, but I already like—I liked men from that time. And at the moment, my sexuality—I consider myself like more like demi-pansexual. But already at an earlier age, I was attracted to men. And I didn't really think of it much. Like I, I spoke about liking men to my parents, but they didn't care. So I wasn't particularly penalized for my sexuality. But anyway, I didn't know a lot about sexual things as a seven-year-old. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When I saw the video, I felt something. I, I wouldn't say like a sexual awakening, but like I understood. That something was going on in that video, and I wanted to do something with the lead vocalist of the band. 
not exactly what it was, but I was like, <laughs> I had something for him. It's like, yeah, you you don't know what um, you you don't know what feelings of attraction are yet, but you just be like, you see someone and you think, hey, I want to hang out with this person. Yeah, I couldn't put the words to it, but I knew I was attracted to him. And I was attracted to other men, like, you know, pop stars and so on and so forth as well. But you um, mentioned this song as like a very big influence of you. How, uh, if, could you explain why? Well, mm, I think this particular song, I was, uh, there was another band called Tokyo, which is like a pop band group. Um, so there were more like, they were doing rock music, but there were more like an idol, like a pop group per se. And I really liked the vocalist of that band. At that time, it wasn't really that all that sexual. But when I heard this song, I was becoming more awakened to those things, I guess. So I wouldn't say it was just this song that influenced uh, me, but this song, like it, I clearly remember seeing it, and then it burnt something inside of my brain. And also, like, it's not just the lead singer of Glade, but there's the guitarist, I mean, the rest of the band, but particularly one of the guitarists, well, there's only one guitarist, but he was very visually striking, and he's very pretty. And he's still pretty, like, he turned 50, like, the other week, but he's still looking, you know, pretty as he was in his 20s. I think the way in which visual K bands looked, like, I didn't have a concept of what gender was, or, like, you know, what toxic masculinity or all of those things were. I was interested in makeup already at the time. I can't really remember when I became interested in makeup at the beginning, but since I was already exposed to like visual K-bands and a lot of men in makeup who were very popular and like they didn't really have their sexualities challenged in that sense because most of them are cis men and they're heterosexual, which is interesting. But anyway, like, I saw them in makeup, and I'm like, okay, well, they're in makeup, and I can also be in makeup. And it didn't feel weird to me that I would be interested in makeup. I'm just like, yeah, of course, like, you know, they're in makeup. I can try some out myself. So that's the kind of, I think, effect or influences the Visual K movement had on the other child. The term visual K, like we mentioned it uh, several times already. Could you, for those unaware, like clarify the term? Um, like, um, could, could you clarify the genre a little bit? So visual K, the K is from Japanese and it means type, I suppose. So visual type or visual form. That's the literal translation of it. But visual K is, as the term states, um, it's 
a kind of rock music. Most of them do a rock-based genre. It can be kind of like metal, or in English-speaking, like, genres, I think it would be closer to, like, emo or screamo or, like, metalcore, but Visual K doesn't necessarily have to be just those things. It can be any form of rock-ish music, uh, but there are also bands that will be considered Visual K, but they're not doing like rock type music they might be doing more of a like a pop song or like more edm type of music as well so musically there isn't really much restriction although there are many bands who would do uh rock based songs but the most important part is that they're visually striking so i wouldn't say i'm an expert of that genre. There are people who know much more than I do. My understanding of the genre is more just general, commonly accepted idea of that genre, but uh, it's mostly male-dominated. In fact, I don't think I have ever seen any female visual gay people ever. There might be that I don't know, but all of the bands I have seen before have all been male and cis and they're very strikingly colorful or gothic or very elaborate and flamboyant dramatic stage performance so on so forth so that is generally what visual k bands would be as long as they're visually striking and they're doing some kind of music uh they probably could be considered as visual k in japan yeah, I'm kind of entertained, or I'm not entirely sure if entertained is the right word. Like, um, it it really struck me that you compared them to like um screamo and metalcore because the first thing that um I associated it with is glam rock. Like, it's 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 basically just a more emo tinted version of like Motley Crue. Like, they're like if anything, like the closest frame of reference to like american bands would be like stuff like escape the fate or something um but i digress what an, another thing that really struck me was that those bands didn't get like their masculinity um questioned in any way because uh i was very into official k when i was like 16 17 and then i definitely you know, got my masculinity questioned, rightfully so, as it turns out in the end, but that's not the point. Like, um, of course, you know, if you're in a in a in 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 high school with a bunch of sixteen year olds and you tell them you're into a, a very flamboyant genre called visual K, the nickname visual gay is a easy one to make and yes that was that was a thing i had to deal with like um how how come these people don't get their masculinity uh or like their gender or sexuality questioned at all because like um if we're going to compare visual k bands to motley crew as well like those people are also very flamboyant, and yet they're still known for these super masculine types, where even though they're in full makeup and tight leather pants. 
Like how, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would first say that like the Western culture and Japan has a different set of uh, what masculinity is, probably because of the visual K movement as well, and also the popularity of idol groups and so on and so forth. What is considered as masculine is a little, well, it's quite different from, say, an American masculinity or like an a English-speaking sphere of masculinity. There are some interaction or influences from the English-speaking areas, but I think one of the things is that, I mean, Japan is predominantly cis and heterosexual, so it's assumed that you're heterosexual. Uh, people assume that you are heterosexual unless you say something about it. And Motley Crue was also popular in Japan. And there was an era of like heavy metal and glam rock uh, during the 80s, in like the early 90s. So, you know, I, I've seen Motley Crue before as well, some long time ago. But that's considered like a Western thing, like Western music. So Visual K started around when I was born, so that that would be like 1989, and the great pioneer, who the band considered as a great pioneer, would be ex-Japan. Uh, they were the people who created the appearance or the standard of what is considered as Visual K. And the term Visual K also comes from uh, one of their first albums. So one of their earliest albums was called Crime of Visual Shock. And that's the place where people say the term Visual K comes from. And they were the first ones to do flamboyant looks. And the leader of X-Japan, who is uh, Yoshiki, and he's the drummer of the band, um, he saw Kiss when he was like 13 or so, so when he was quite young, he saw Kiss coming into Japan and that's when he was exposed to rock, American rock music and that kind of flamboyant look, you know, dramatic stuff, and then he wanted to do that. Um, so the influences of American and Western rock, glam rock, heavy rock, was quite large to him, and then X-Japan started their uh, career, and they were immensely popular in Japan. And they're still popular, but anywho, um, going back to the question of like gender and sexuality, like people would just assume that anyone do doing visual K is cis and heterosexual unless they say something about it, that's what they would assume. And most of the audiences were young women. And it's generally like that nowadays as well, as far as I can tell. Most of their demographic is women. So I guess it's similar in a sense that Motley Crue and like other glam rock bands, um, they were popular with women. You know, there were women going after them and all of that. You know, they were the makeup, but it didn't really matter. Like, that was what made them hot. Right, So, yeah. I know that there are a couple of people who are, like, 
openly queer. I forgot his name, but I know at least like one visual K artist who is openly out as a queer person, but it's predominantly like cis and het. So people are just like, well, you know, they are putting on makeup, but once they take off their makeup, they're just like regular guys. Or there are people, I think, purposefully don't say anything about their sexuality or their gender identity, so on and so forth. There are artists who may purposefully do that uh, just to have an air of mystery or they just want to keep their persona, their public persona, as that character that they are as an artist and they don't want to divulge information about their private lives. Obviously, I'm just making more general statements, so... Yeah, we're just, we're just speculating. That's about enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really uh, digging this, this um, deep dive into what are the links between official K and sexuality and the entire um, history that comes around it. But this is already going very long, so I think it's about time we pop in a second a song. Um, a personal favorite of mine and uh, they've been featured on the show before and i hope they're going to be featured more often i always have a special place in my heart for this band here's my chemical romance thank you for the venom God, uh, thank you for the Venom MCR in the category um, favorite queer artist. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got tickets to see them sometime soon. Um, hopefully, that's going to happen. Uh, and I don't have tickets for the When We Were Young festival, but you know, I'm not going to pay 300 for a concert ticket and then also, you know, a flight to Las Vegas because who's got time and money for that? But yeah, I, I finally hope to see MCR live this June and um, my inner 16-year-old is thriving. Uh, yeah, so um, why did you select uh, MCR for favorite queer artist? Well, when I was look, like thinking about queer artists, I couldn't really think of any other one. I was going through like the, the popular music inside of me, the, the ones that I listen to often, but there weren't as many weird people as I thought. And well, MCR had tremendous effect on me as a teenager as well, when I was like 
they came out when I was like 13 or 14 or something. And it kind of made sense that I got into my chemical romance because I was already starting to listen to emo type music. You know, I, I liked Linkin Park at the time. And then, yeah, MCR happened. And around at the same time, I also got really into Avenged Sevenfold. And I heard this other band called Census Veil, which would, uh, which was also from New Jersey. And My Chemical Romance is from New Jersey as well. So I really got into that emo metal core type of genre at the time. It wasn't then that I found out that Jared Way, the lead singer, was talking about his sexuality and gender. It was like much later that I found out in a magazine that he was talking about how he he was using he, they pronouns and he also felt uh, close to trans women and uh, women in general. So. At the time when I was 13, I wasn't really thinking about those things, or I didn't really know much about like transgender stuff, and like terms like non-binary did not really exist in my lexicon at the time. So I w- I just really liked the way they had makeup on, and I liked their music, so I listened to them a lot. <laughs> so later on, when I found out that he was like queer. Um, I was like, wow, that's great. <laughs> and everything makes sense again. Yeah, no, I'm also kind of... Um, the human brain is a pattern-recognizing machine. And the, here again is like the, the big emo type of band with makeup as a big part of their identity. Um, and again, assumed cis and straight until explicitly stated otherwise. Let's move on to your um, own queer experience because we already um, talked about it a little bit. Um, but like, how um, how did you react when you first found out the um, vocabulary to describe yourself? Like, what 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 was your gut reaction? I was very confused. <laughs> you know, like when you're a kid. Well, when I was a kid, I didn't really think much of it, and I wasn't gender policed as much as other Japanese kids. Well, my mom told me that when I was like five or something, and when I was still in kindergarten, Sailor Moon was popular at the time, and it was on TV. And also, uh, there's this like, well, Power Ranger was also popular, and... I watched Sailor Moon and Power Ranger, and there was another one called Kamen Rider, which is which is kind of like Power Ranger, I guess, in a sense that it's for boys. There's this one hero, he's on a he's on a motorcycle and he kicks ass. When my mom told me that um, when I was in kindergarten, I told her that um, I wanted to become Sailor Moon and Kamen Rider, and I had a whole bunch of you know Power Ranger toys and all of those boys' toys stuff, as well as um, the Sailor Moon transformation stick. So my parents didn't really restrict on the things, like restrict on the toys that they bought me. They were just like, well, you know, fine. (laughs) So I didn't have a lot of gender policing, so I was just like, this is me, and this is what I like. 
no one has a problem with it. So I'm just like, you know, playing around on my own, doing my own stuff. And that's kind of like the overarching, overarching storyline. Well, not storyline, but like my life has been like that. I'm just doing <laughs> my own thing. So when I found out about like trans stuff, I knew about like the term LGBT when I was a teenager, but I didn't really think of myself to be a part of it. Why not? What I guess triggered my gender questioning time uh, was uh, when my mom died when I was seventeen. Uh, that's when I started to have all of a lot of the questions about myself uh, because. My mother was a quite controlling and toxic woman, and she wanted me to be a specific type of child. So while she didn't really have any gender police, policing stuff um, comparatively to other Japanese children, what I was told from very early age was that I had to be the breadwinner of the family, and I needed to be the best at all academic things. She would not accept anything lower than A plus, so A was bad. Anything below like ninety percent is unacceptable to her. She would expect me to have all of my grades at around ninety five percent at all times. So I was under quite stressful times, and I already had like depression and suicidal ideation when I was like thirteen. So.、Uh, I was trying to live up to her expectation while she was alive, and then she died suddenly when I was seventeen. So that's when I kind of got out of the control of my mother, and then I started to think more about my own identity and not what she wanted me to be. And that's when I realized I may be trans. I started looking on the internet about trans stuff, and you know, I already knew about like gay people and lesbian people, and I was vocal about marriage equality because when I was a teenager, that's when the whole Prop Eight thing happened in California about like equal marriage stuff. So I was because I went to an American school, and my teacher was quite like a social. Justice advocate.、Um, I kind of also became interested in social justice and equality. So I knew about gay people and lesbian people, but I didn't know much about trans people. I knew trans women existed because there's quite a lot of trans women on Japanese uh, TV. Uh, gay men and trans women have been like on TV. Uh, on Japanese TV、uh, since I was a, a child, and then they became more prevalent、uh, later on as I grew up. So I knew the existence of trans women, but I didn't know much else about them. So bring this back to the vocabulary. Like you knew the words were there,、um, you just it just didn't click that you could also use them to describe yourself. Were those terms predominantly in English or in Japanese? It it was in Japanese at the time, you know, because the media is mostly cis and het. The 
the words that was used to describe trans women and gay men were homophobic and transphobic. Uh, so I don't want to use those words right now. Like the word trans women, which is trans jose in Japanese, has become in use in Japanese, like of recent times. And by recent times, I, I guess like the last 20 years. But Japan has a very, I think we are like 30 to 40 years back in time in terms of like LGBTQ rights um, and the public understanding of gender and sexuality is not as progressing as Western countries, I would say comparatively. So yeah. I was only able to find out about like trans information and like information about sexualities and gender identities only because I spoke English and there was like barely any information in Japanese and that's the reason why you know I had access to a computer and internet so I used my English ability to start looking up at LGBTQ stuff and then found a lot on the English-speaking side of the internet, and that's where I was able to kind of formulate my ideas of gender and sexuality in the English-speaking sense. So, yeah, and then I found out about it, and then I was confused for a while. A lot of other things were going on in my life at the time, and I had to deal with my mother dying, <laughs> and... So it was chaotic for a long while. And I didn't really, like, I used the word trans when I was, uh, I, when I first found out about gender identity. I thought, like, you know, the word transgender was, it was the most accurate word for me back then when I first found out about myself. But um, as I grew older, I realized that like, I'm still trans, I consider myself trans, but non-binary was more appro appropriate of a term to describe myself because I didn't like the binary. I got older and I understood the concepts of the binary uh, within society and I just reject that idea. And I think I have been rejecting that idea since I was a child, although I didn't understand what it was, or I didn't know of its existence back then. I didn't really think about it. But retrospectively, I think the way I liked both, you know, Sailor Moon and Power Ranger things, and I also liked makeup already when I was a child and you know, I started experimenting a lot when I was uh, in a teenager. Like, there are feminine parts of me, and, like, there's masculine parts of me, but it's not like I'm one or the other. I, I may be both at the same time, but also I can be neither of them at times. And when I realized there was a term, non-binary, it was actually uh, around like three years ago that when I came back uh, on the internet and social media and found about the term non-binary, 
I was like, yeah, that's the word that describes me well. And I'm going to use that word for my identity. Like that, um, the word non-binary and um, by extension, your pronouns as well. How do you translate those into Japanese if they're translatable at all? So non-binary is just non-binary in Japanese. But there is also a specific other Japanese term called X-gender, uh, which probably comes from like FTX or F uh, MTX, you know, male to X or female to X. So X meaning, you know, some other identity. X-gender sounds so badass, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't use it myself because I'm like, I'm not quite sure honestly of the differences between non-binary and ex-gender i've read it before and it seems like there is like a very slight differences in its usage but i don't feel like ex-gender is the right term for me so i just use non-binary I, I like the sound of it better and i understand the term better so X-gender is some non-binary people in Japan would use X-gender instead of non-binary because of the terminology differences that they have, which I'm not sure what it is, to be honest. Um, like, further into Japanese language, like, like the use of pronouns when referring to other people is, like, not as common as it is in English. What, what do you hope the future to be when it comes to like the feasibility of like non-binary people in such a cis-normative society? Well, I would hope that um, at the moment, I think Jap Japanese works in a sense that we don't use a lot of pronouns as much as English. However, I do hope that variations of the pronouns, so at the moment, Japan is at the stage, well, Japanese is at the stage of creation of new pronouns from uh, already existing pronouns. So it's kind of like modification of what is there already. So I hope that those new pronouns will become more accepted. And yeah, people will just use them respectfully. And generally, I hope that non-binary people will become more accepted, although it's probably going to take another like 30 or 40 years. So hopefully, when I am much older and still alive, it will be more diverse and inclusive society then. And I just, you know, do whatever I can as a regular citizen. And as we wait for that moment in the future where everything uh, has progressed. Let's kill some time by listening to some music. You didn't specify a specific song by the um, artist you requested, so uh, I took the liberty of um, picking one myself. In the category Best Concert Experience, here's Bad Country by Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs>
Country is a great song. I mean, I, I really like that entire album, you know, City of Evil. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Bad Country specifically, like it's got a special place in my memory because that's the song I discovered Avenged Sevenfold in, through. I'm pretty certain it was because they were part of like some SSX game on the GameCube. But yeah, that's that's how I found out about Avenged Sevenfold. But why did you uh, pick this song uh, or pick this artist rather for today's show? So when I was thinking about best concert experiences, um, I really liked Avenged Sevenfold. Um, I found it out because I had an online friend when I was like 13 who was from the United States. She was from California and she was talking about this local band that was coming out and that was Event Sevenfold. It was before they had their major debut so this friend told me you know there's this cool band called Event Sevenfold and their songs are really cool so I went to the local store local records store back then in Japan and I asked them the record store to contact Hopeless Records, which was the original record label that Avenged Sevenfold was in, their first album. Amazing. Imported to Japan for me. So I got their album, and then I listened to them, and I really liked them. And when they had their major debut, I bought, you know, City of Evil. I also had their self-titled album and the fourth album as well. Um, so as a teenager and like in my early 20s, I listened to them a lot. I really like Beast and the Harlot and, you know, Bad Country. I have great memories of them. And then I've seen them in Japan when they came in 2008. They came for a big metal festival called Loud Park. And they weren't the headliners, uh, but they were like close to the headliners. I think they were like right before uh, the headliners and then I saw them at the very front lines. So I had a great time back then. And it's unfortunate that I haven't really been listening to them uh, as of late, but they've been, you know, their old songs have been on my playlist. But I recently found out that they were, they started doing NFTs and that's when I deleted all of their songs off of my playlist because I am morally against NFTs and I cannot support that. Right, yeah. I mean, I bet um, Avenged Sevenfold also being like, um, like me discovering them through a game, uh, like I'm, I'm pretty certain they also like appeared in some games. Like they're, they're very big in like the digital spaces. So they're moved to... Uh, NFTs, <laughs> how even though we don't approve of it, like it's not surprising. Um, but like, is there also a link there to your work as a like game translator? No, I didn't know that they were on games to be honest. But I I wasn't really allowed to play games when I was younger. I play games now, but when I was a kid, I was allowed to have like Game Boy Color, but I didn't really have any other consoles because I needed to focus on my academics. How did your music taste like develop over time? Well, I really liked pop music when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, that's when I started to 
kind of pick and choose what kind of music music genres I liked, and that was more in the metal, metalcore, emo, screamo uh, genre. But before that, I was listening to like Backstreet Boys. I really, really liked Backstreet Boys when I was. Oh like, my God, same. I love Backstreet Boys. And you know, I had like their first. Well, I had, yeah, I bought all of their albums albums back then. So I had all of their albums until like Greatest Hits Chapter One. And I also liked Britney Spears, of course. So I had her album and Christina Aguilera. So American pop music had a great influence on me. And I still like those bands, I mean, artists, but I really got into the metal, metalcore, emo, screamo, and death metal, and all of those uh, metal genres, as well as like American pop punk and punk music in general at when I was like 13, 14. How did that shift happen? How did you find out about those bands? Did you just go look up on the internet? Were it just friends who tipped them off? Um, MTV in Japan is not only like American music. It did air some um, Japanese popular music as well. But because it's MTV, there was a lot of American music program that was being translated a bit late, a year or two late. So... But music-wise, um, like a lot of the music videos were being played, and like I also had the internet, so I was looking up what was popular in the United States, and you know I found out about Linkin Park when One Step Closer came out, and you know Evanescence when Bring Me to Life came out. I knew that from looking up at like the American Yahoo website. The internet played a huge role in finding those music. And then from there, um, I started looking at uh, Western music magazines that was available in Japan. And a lot of the American and European bands also, um, a lot of the European metal bands uh, came to Japan a lot as well. So... Yeah, I started looking at metal, heavy metal magazines in Japan and then, you know, finding out about new albums that were coming out and also used the internet to look for more bands that might suit my taste. And that's kind of how I gathered uh, music. Specifically when with, with, with the music we've been talking about today, um... It's a lot of music you discovered in like your 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 teens, um, but we're um, at least another ten years further down the line. I don't know exactly how old you are, and it doesn't really matter. But um, my guess is you're not your teens anymore. So how would you describe your taste of music today? At the moment, it's I don't really go out of my way to find new music anymore. I was really into that when I was younger, but what I do right now, it's like. I go to like the what's hot in metal on like YouTube or something, um, and from time to time I will check out what like the bands I like before are doing, and then listening to a lot of um, old pop music, I guess, kind of reminiscing the teenage time. So yeah. 
especially when it comes to music, do you think you're a nostalgic person? Yeah, I think right now I'm referring back to a lot of the things I listened to when I was a teenager. And from time to time, I would listen to new music or just play uh, new playlists. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. So there are, I know of popular music when they go viral. And if, if that music happens to be like the kind of music I like, um, then I'll just listen to the entire album of that specific uh, artist. Before we wrap up, um, we've got one more song to play, um, being a song called Utsusemi by Kiryu. What what made you pick this for your final song? Um, so as for recent discovery, um, I found out this band from a Japanese TV show that I was watching last year, and it was actually about Visual K, and they were featuring a lot of new bands and like underground bands. And Kiryu is a popular band in Japan, I would say. Uh, but I didn't know about them. And then I heard one of their new songs on that TV program. And I was like, hmm, I like them. So I started looking into their other songs. And then this particular song called Utsusemi, I really liked the way it sounded. So I was like, yes, I really, really dig it. And then they became like number one band that I was streaming last year. So yeah, I have a specific um, playlist of all the songs I like from them. But this particular song, when I first found out, I'm the kind of person who, like, if I like a song, I would listen to just that song for like hundreds of times for days and I, I can't stop doing it so like i would listen to it until i know all of the lyrics so i was probably like listening to this song for like about five days or like a week for every day and i was like yeah i really really like this song so yes that's why i picked it for the recent discovery all right, let's have a listen. But first, I want to thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, of course, I want to thank Ethan for coming on the show. And I want to leave you all with the um, standard sign-off. So uh, if you want to support this show financially, you can do so by going through patreon.com slash queersounds. Um, there you can get access to the Queer Sounds Discord uh, you can get a set of Queer Sound stickers. You can um, overrule any guest uh, by getting your music on the show if you feel so inclined. Um, if you are not a um, payment per episode type of person, but you just want to do a single donation, you can do so through buymeacoffee.com slash queersounds. Yeah, with that, um, that's about it. I think. Oh, no, wait, uh, the socials. Yes, uh, at queersoundspod on Twitter, Instagram, and tumblr for now i'm going to play one last song for you here is kiryu with the track utsusemi thanks again for listening
I'm not afraid of the dark. 